Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome, everyone. Welcome back to the Hammer and Rails podcast, home of your 2-0 Purdue Boilermakers. With you, as always, I'm your host, Andrew Ledman. I'm Casey Bartley. And again, I just want to reiterate, we are 2-0 and in football. Uh, and I know it happened last year, and then we lost four in a row. So let's, you know, not get too excited. But 2-0, and I'll take. You know, it's better than the alternative. So we're here mainly to talk about the uh, the game this weekend against UConn. Purdue, of course, victorious 49 to nothing, And that could have gotten much more out of hand if Jeff Brom had not basically taken everyone out of the game in the entire second half. So um, I do want to go over some quick stats before we get into kind of our thoughts on the game. I specifically want to look at the quarterback position because obviously that was a big point of contention going into the season. Now, Purdue actually played four different quarterbacks uh, during the game. So Jack Plummer, of course, was the starter. He looked great. He was 16 of 20, 245 yards, four touchdowns. And this to go along with the fact that our offensive line, again, is not looking great. And Plummer had to scramble for his life uh, on quite a few of those throws and still was able to go 16 out of 20. So that was pretty good. Um, Aiden O'Connell came in in the uh, third quarter. He was 9 of 11, uh, 86 yards, two touchdowns. And then Austin Burton, 5 of 5 for 44 yards. Um, for some reason, on when I'm looking at, did Alimo, not Alamo, or whatever, well, I don't even know how to say this guy's name. Alimo oh, is how they were announcing it. Did he not even throw a pass? I don't think he did. Okay. I was like, I, I knew he played, but I was looking at the box score and was like, he's not on there at all. So, um, Pretty sure oh, he held the ball he, and got... Yes, Introducing yeah, he new You didn't get a good look at him, but, you know... Uh, we'll, we'll be happy with four quarterbacks playing for a good reason. Um, you know, we, we would much rather have that. So, uh, I know I want to kind of contrast that with how the UConn quarterback did. So we mentioned last episode that this was his first game as a starter. He was 14 of 25 for 99 yards, 
and one interception. Obviously, no touchdowns because they didn't score a point. But 14 to 25 for 99, not what you're looking for um, when you're starting out a new program as a new head coach with a new quarterback. So don't tell that, me what I want. What do you What do you want? David Bell's numbers? No, I just really like it when quarterbacks suck against. Oh. Well, it's unheard of, uh, especially, you know, when you name a new quarterback in the week before a Purdue game, you're generally expecting that quarterback to look like he's out to win the Heisman. Uh, is he putting on a UConn helmet? <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. You never know who's out in the wings. Yeah, it was. Uh, there's a lot of stats that look good. David Bell's really good. I think he's going to be good all year. Um, we went three and out twice to start the game. No, just once. Is that no. good? Yeah, because we, we punted on our first drive and then scored touchdowns, I think, on the next four or five. I thought it was the first. Well, regardless, um, our offensive line didn't look great against uh, UConn. And our defense gave them 160 yards in the first half. Uh, We had talked about this last week. They averaged 180 for a game. I don't feel great after that. No, I get that. Um, I mean, the, the defense did look shaky. They they did a lot of the classic Purdue bend but don't break where they're giving up big chunks of yardage and then suddenly clamped down when, when UConn got to the 50 or just beyond. I mean, UConn kicked a field goal early in the first half and missed it. Otherwise, you know, they would have put some points on the board there. Um, they didn't get incredibly close for the rest of the game, really. That was really their best scoring opportunity. But you never, I mean, there was nothing really that the defense could do that would impress us because they're playing against such a terrible team. And the only thing they could do was disappoint us. Um, obviously you, you pitch a shutout produce first since I believe 2011 against Southeast Missouri state. You're going to be happy with that. But at the same time, like you said, they did look shaky at times. And if they look shaky at times next week against Notre Dame, that's going to result in points put on the board, not, you know, a crossing midfield with some uh, terrible quarterback play. Yeah, I just don't like that our safeties and running backs consistently got beat downfield. You mean cornerbacks. You said running backs. Oh, yeah. Safeties and cornerbacks. Corner. Cornerback. The defensive backfield. We were consistently beat on deep throws. Uh, We just got lucky that their guy couldn't throw anything and they couldn't catch. We would have gotten burned three or four times. And if that happens against UConn, when you put real athletes out there and quarterbacks that are actually good at finding wide open receivers, that's just going to spell damage. Yeah, you do have to wonder how much of that was Purdue looking ahead to Notre Dame and not really taking UConn very seriously, and how much of that was simply maybe our our defensive backfield is just not that good. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't think we've seen a real test of the team yet. Uh, neither Oregon State nor UConn obviously are world beaters, so we don't have a good idea of what they can truly be. And we also don't know if this is a team that's going to play to the level of their competition. So they're going to play down to UConn and they're going to play up when they when they go against Notre Dame next week. Because whether we want to admit it or not, that happens a lot with Purdue football and a lot around the country. You know, teams look much better against an, an opponent with a name on the front that you care about. Yeah, that's fair. And you have to say that we're playing a team like UConn, but we still, we had some nice designs. We had some nice plays, some big plays. The biggest thing you can say about Plummer is when he gets time and has a super accurate pass. Yeah, he throws a good ball. We're not going to miss many chances behind him if he has the time. To- yeah, the, the time is, is a big worry. Um, you know, you would look at a couple of replays where he had to scramble and no matter who is back there, when you're scrambling, you're not going to be able to make probably the best throw or your best read. And they, I remember they showed at least one replay where 
David Bell was kind of just like wide open as as Plummer was scrambling. But because he was scrambling, he couldn't quite get the ball to him. So he had to do something different. So you hate missing those opportunities. But I'm glad Plummer is the one back there because he's able to make plays happen. He's able to extend plays when you have an offensive line that is that is leaky like ours is. Yeah, you have to like that. Um, I thought in general our receivers looked like brought in a lot of – Yeah, they looked good. Which is what we should look like because we have brought in a lot of talent. Sheffield was ballot. Uh, we talked about not really calling Milton Wright's name last year, and he had a couple catches early. He's a big target that – I'm really a fan of Marshawn Rice went up and got that ball on the right sideline. That uh, the ability to go up and make a catch. Yeah, like that, that was he has really catch. nice size. So it excites me that we have those kind of playmakers around us. And it really did shine a spotlight. David Bell is unlike anyone else on our offense, unlike most players in college. Yeah, he he is a phenom. I'm I'm just really worried that Brom and Plummer are going to be able to get much out of those guys because I don't think we're ever we haven't faced even close to a competent front. No, and we are just Although, getting torn in, apart consistently. I mean, in fairness, and I know this is going to sound ridiculous, but the the strength of Oregon State, according to Oregon State fans, was the defensive line. That's they a bad. I I agree, but they said you know it, their strength from their perspective, they have a good defensive line, and that's what worried us going into that game because obviously one of the weaknesses of Purdue is the offensive line. So. I don't think you can compare the strength of the Oregon State defensive line with, say, Ohio State, Notre Dame, or others that Purdue will play, but maybe they're not as far off as we as pessimists like to think. Maybe. Um, did Miller come back in the game? Um, not that I am aware of, no, but I have not heard. Uh, we should mention Garrett Miller, uh, the tight end for Purdue, was injured, as, as was um, Xander Horvath. We know now that Horvath is out uh, for a few weeks. Um, we don't know, uh, as of this recording, exactly what the extent of the injury is, um, but I've not seen anything on Garrett Miller as of right now. So both of them uh, w- went off the field. They both went off under their own power, so that is good news, but we we don't know when we can expect them back at this point. Yeah, it looks like Miller got rolled up on. It's hard to know whether that was an injury to be concerned about or if it was an injury in Purdue. You know, Brown's just like, look, we're not going to risk him re-aggravating. We're already up. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I would hope that it's more of a precautionary measure, like why throw him back out there? But, you know, we don't know yet. We better hope a lot because we cannot afford more injuries on the front line. We were decimated by it in the offseason. I do want to say... I don't think the Horvath injury is going to be a big I've Okay, actually why been, is that? Why is that? Uh, first of all, I've always liked King Daru a little more than him. Okay. Even though Horvath has definitely been the more runner. I think King just has a little more pop, a little yeah. bit of a bigger playmaker. Also, I just think Downing's been really good. Yeah, he's uh, been surprising. He brings the same size that Horvath has, but he's got a little bit of shiftiness to him. And I really thought that cut back to the left. Like, that's not a run that Horvath did. No, I well, I think what you're... Basically noticing a difference there is Horvath is not generally going to be a guy with top-notch speed. He's a guy who is very reliable. He can get you, you know, three yards of carry just about every time out there. But he he doesn't have game-breaking speed, and he's a bigger running back, which is great um, for blocking. But again, he's he's not a huge playmaker for Purdue, whereas I think Doru, and maybe even Downing, I'm not sure if we've seen enough of him to know, uh, but Doru at least has more um, ability to kind of uh, 
get out in, in space and make a play happen. Yeah, and I don't think we were ever going to have a running be- running game that we could just, you know, really pin our ears back and rely on. So this right, might right. really get Brom to go into his bag early and often, get some of these playmakers. You know, Sheffield came back and good, scored a touchdown. Uh, Marcellus Moore is an interesting candidate out of the back. We've got a lot of these guys that can do things with the ball, probably better than any of our running backs anyway. You know, uh, David Bell got one handoff and went 25 yards. When you do these trickeries to your good players, it works out even better we saw we did see kind of Sheffield take over a little bit more on those bubbles and I think that is in general a good thing Anthem will play some out of the back especially as a pass catcher out of there so I I just don't think I don't think running back was ever going to be the most important on the field in a Brahma yeah I think that's fair to say I mean this team is going to live and die by the by their wide receivers specifically David Bell and by the quarterback you know hopefully that's going to be plumber throughout the entire season assuming he can stay healthy but Running back was always going to be something that you hope to, you know, keep the keep the team, keep the other team honest, do some play action, you know, get some quick plays in space and hope you break one. It was never going to be the focal point of the offense. I have a question for you, Ledman. I, I asked this in the group that I got in. Is Payne Durham really good? I think so. I think so. I think, you know, last year and the last couple of years, Purdue has had a, a really good set of tight ends. So a guy like Durham had a little trouble breaking through. But he certainly looks he looks big. He looks strong. He, he's got good hands. I mean, you know, he made he had that um, his hands are, issue I would in say the Oregon State game. But he nearly yeah, dropped that touchdown. He did. He did. Um, but I mean, I think he he's really shown. I mean, once he got this season already three touchdowns. Yeah. And so he's been wide open on a lot of it. Brom is a great, great coach at drawing up plays to get tight end. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he loves to use the type in, tight end. He loves to use it as like a safety valve for the quarterback. As someone who, you know, maybe goes over the middle, finds an empty space in the zone. I would argue he's less of a safety valve. He really attacks scene with tight ends. We saw uh, Jake Plummer overthrow him one wide open and then caught another one later. Pretty much the same spot. Uh, Really harkens back to the Breeze and New Saints to start start his career with uh, Jimmy Graham and stuff. Like just being able to find that really tall tight end usually lined up against the linebacker and just being able to carve out that middle of the zone. Yeah, and Breeze could always use Marcus Colston, who I think was a cheat code in fantasy football (laughs) because they listed him as a tight end, but he basically played wide receiver. So that was always a great get if you could get him early in those Breeze years. Was he listed as a tight end? I'm in some leagues he was, um, yeah. Which I don't know what was going on with that, but I guess they looked at uh, us forty times. Yeah, probably. <laughs> so before we move on from you know talking about individual players, I again want to highlight a guy I talked about last week. Um, if you go back and watch the a couple of those really great touchdown runs that David Bell had, which you definitely should go back and watch because um, it looked like after Bell caught that ball, there's no way he's scoring a touchdown. <laughs> Yet he just made move after move. Let alone on the left side of the field. Oh, I know. Oh my gosh. It, it's, it's, it is, I mean, it's like watching Rondell Moore in that Ohio State game, but every week. Uh, I mean, he just does things that, that you, you just can't see any other player in college do. David Bell is so good at every aspect of being a wide receiver that you get surprised at every other aspect he's really good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you... he's a great route runner. He's got great hands. He's got great moves. He's fast. And he, and you mentioned in the group chat, you feel like he's gotten faster. 
I don't remember him being this this quick and dynamic. It's and maybe a lot of it is because all those yak yards went to Rondell Moore. Like he just catches the ball and he does it like he's not coming down right away. He's stronger than he uh, plays bigger than he is. He's got that just quick agility cuts that absolutely carve up a defense every time he touches the ball. Absolute nightmare. To- yeah, I mean. You know, we talk about the fact that we haven't played anybody really of substance yet in this season, but I don't think it matters who Purdue plays. It doesn't matter when we play Ohio State or, you know, Northwestern or Notre Dame. David Bell is going to get his because David Bell— I mean, as long as Plummer can throw the ball. Yeah, yeah. David Bell is still going to be one of the best players on the field in every single game this season. It doesn't matter who the opponent is. hundred percent. He he should be an All-American this year. Um, he's definitely got the talent, and right now he's, you know, racking up three TDs and a half. That's incredible. Yeah, didn't even play in the second half. Six touches. Or six catches. He had, he had yeah, a long run that he, he had, broke off. Yeah, he had one run. Um, But, you know, I started this to say that I wasn't even really, I wasn't even talking about David Bell. I was talking about Brock Thompson, who I <gasps> talked about last week. Because if you go back and watch those David Bell um catches, you can see Thompson working his butt off down the field to get those blocks in that helps spring David Bell. And to me, that is a, you know, that's something that doesn't show up on the stat sheet. It's not something that everybody notices, but I think that's the stuff that the coaches love and that your teammates love. So if you can get that guy out on the field, busting his ass to get the block, you know, 10, 15, 20 yards down the field to spring David Bell for, you know, extra yards and give David Bell another chance to make another move and get a touchdown, that's going to be a guy that's going to see the field more and more. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's amazing the little guys that stand out. and We're going to need a lot of that if we're going to have any kind of sustained success as we move into the big Yeah, yeah. So I, I, one thing I want to mention about the defense, and it's kind of worrisome to me, and I'm sure you'll agree that it's worrisome because you're the negative one on this podcast uh, as far as football goes. Um, right. so, so the Purdue defense against this UConn team had zero sacks. It was definitely part of the game plan. They wanted to get the ball out of their hand really, really quick. And they had an athletic quarterback pretty good at moving around. Uh, I, we got a lot of pressure. I don't, it's the one strength of our defense, so even I don't want to feel too bad about it. Um, yeah, I mean, I know they were, you know, they pressured him, they forced him into bad throws, they were in the backfield, they had, um, how many tackles for loss they have? They had six tackles for loss, which is great. But, you know, at the same time, we've got to find a way to, to get more pressure on the quarterback and actually you know, finish those sacks back there. We had eight quarterback hurries, which isn't really a ton considering, um, you know, they threw the ball 25 times. And I just, I would like those numbers to go up, especially the sacks, because it can be such a demoralizing thing for an offense. And it really pumps up the crowd. It really pumps up your defense. And I think the fact that they are not getting very many uh, sacks is a, is a bad sign in my mind. I, I would reticent to say there's not a ton that I worry about with that. That UConn team was not running deep routes. Any of those deep passes most after the quarterback got away from the rush. And you're going to get that with athletic quarterbacks. Uh, I think when we play Big Ten teams with like real real offensive coordinators and they're going to want to go deep long and take a little time. I think we'll we'll give them a little more time to like happen. But I, George Karloftis, I'm not going to doubt him. I, do I think our defense great? Uh, I'm worried about some of the cause of kind of quick rush to open up. I'm worried about that. Right now, I've been most impressed with our tackle, and that has covered up a lot of... Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, that is true. I, I 
haven't been yelling about missed tackles a lot so far this season, which has been a real problem in the past. Yeah, it's a nice changeup. Uh, I think I think our three defensive coordinators are doing a decent job. <laughs> well, you know, when you have three people right. doing one, three people doing one job, you got to hope there's something good coming out of it. Yeah, we better better at least get the fundamentals down if we have they have any guys breaking it down. Yeah. So, um, is there anything else that kind of stands out to you uh, about this game against UConn? Uh, before we take a break, and then I want to just do a quick look around uh, the rest of the Big Ten before we uh, head out of here. Nope, you got all. All right, we will be back right after this break. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance Plus, save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. And we are back. I wanted, uh, before we headed out this week, I wanted to talk about kind of the rest of the Big Ten and what we saw this past week. Of course, this was highlighted by the Ohio State loss to Oregon, uh, 35 to 28. And it actually wasn't all that close. Um, Ohio State really came back at the end, um, and had a chance as, as time was going down. But, you know, they do play, I think he's a, is he a true freshman, their quarterback? And, uh, he had, he had an interception at the end of the game as they were trying to drive down, uh, to, to tie the game up. But, that is a pretty big news out of Columbus because they're obviously the standard bearer for the Big Ten during football season, and they were the one, you know, most expected to, if any, find a way into the college football playoff. Yeah, um, I find it weird. I get that there's this kind of rivalry and we hate other teams and rah, 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 but non-conference losses from for teams that are highly ranked in our conference do not help us. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But I also, like, I've never been a fan of like the SEC fans who chant like SEC, SEC, like at the end of the year, I'm like, but like, do you care that much though? Yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not saying blind loyalty to the conference. I'm just saying selfishly, it would be better if Ohio State win, lose or draw. It would be better if Ohio State comes in as ranked number two. Yes. It'll make a loss look wrong. better. It'll make a win look way better. Uh, yeah, ideally, all conference opponents come in with no losses out of comp. It's going to make every win look better. When you have big matchups like that, I always end up rooting if we're going to play. Yeah, but, that makes sense. But yeah, Ohio State's a factory. They'll be fine. They'll find a loss. Someone's got to represent that's not me. That wouldn't surprise me. So going around the rest of the Big Ten, Iowa... Uh, in a battle of, I think, top 10 teams, uh, Iowa beats Iowa State. And now in the latest top 25 that came out uh, just today, Iowa is now 
fifth, which I cannot remember the last time Iowa was top five, but uh, I'm sure it was obviously more recent than the last time Purdue was the top five. Yeah, I mean, they always seem to get, they have little spikes here and there. It's just the pressing question is when do they finish the season that high? And I, I would be personally surprised that, uh, is it still Kirk, for instance? Oh yeah, he's going to die on the sidelines. He's right. been there roughly 19 years. That makes sense. So uh, I would personally be a little surprised if they end up having that good of a year, but uh, for right now it looks good. I guess yeah. Iowa State is a real team. Yeah. I mean, it, it's surprising to see them ranked that high. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how good Iowa State is or how good they're going to be at the end of the year. But right now, Iowa is taking care of business, and uh, maybe they'll be the standard bearer for the Big Ten, right? You know, this season. Who knows? Um, so around the rest of the league, Penn State kind of walked over Ball State. Nothing really to see there. Wisconsin, you know, also walked over Eastern Michigan. Uh, Michigan beat Washington 31 to 10 with my brother and my dad in attendance. So that was their first trip to the big house. So they were very excited to see that. Why? Um, we actually, uh, my uncle actually played at Michigan, uh, back in the day. So they have got, um, we've got family that still live up in Ann Arbor. Um, so they're obviously big Michigan fans went to Michigan. So we, we've got family up that direction. So my brother and my dad went to the Michigan game, and they went to the 49ers-Lions game today. Huh. I thought you were going to say why again. I was waiting. I, I mean, yeah. That's, <laughs> I guess if you really like football. They do. They do. And my dad is a Lions fan, oh, uh, unfortunately no. for him. Yeah. He spent some time in his early life uh, growing up uh, in Michigan. So that's one reason for that. And then uh, my, my brother is a 49ers fan because, you know, he loved football and growing up and watched Steve a lot Young. of 49ers because of Jerry Rice. Yeah. So, yeah, so we got we they got that connection, so that makes sense. So they had a they had a great time. Um but I don't know that we can take much from that Michigan win, but the one I, that I am really interested in is the fact that Illinois got their butts whooped uh by Virginia 42 to 14. And honestly, I think Illinois might be very bad. Yeah, I mean, Illinois has been keeping the bottom away from us for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they got out, <laughs> they got outgained by Virginia by almost 300 yards. It's not great. Yeah, and Virginia only had to punt twice the whole game. Ah, so they they pretty much turned Illinois into UConn. Yeah, yeah. That's um, what you'd like to see. Yeah. Um. So hopefully, when when we see them later in the in the year, they'll still be as down as they are right now, and Purdue can take a win there. How many years do you think it would take to like? Make up and reclaim from deciding that hiring Lovey Smith would call. I see. I don't think hiring Lovey Smith was their big problem. They. I think it was a big problem. I I think that Lovey Smith gets a lot of crap that's not deserved, especially because I think a lot of Bears fans treated him like crap. Um, and I think he got a bad reputation from there. And I, I think, think he got a bad reputation for being a bad coach. See, I don't think he's a bad coach. I can't agree with you on that. Hmm. Are you a Bears fan? No, no, I don't. I don't like the Bears. Uh, I'm a Bucks fan, and he actually was our head coach for for two years. Two uh, years. Yeah, and honestly, he got hosed when he got fired because the the this is when the Bucks had Jameis Winston, and he was like he was going to be the quarterback of the future, and he was going to lead them to the promised land, and then they realized that uh, the quarterbacks coach slash offensive coordinator. 
did a really good job with Winston, so they were afraid they were going and they were afraid they were going to lose him to another team. So they basically fired Lovey Smith and hired the offensive coordinator. Okay, I'm right? going to say that doesn't lean great on the co- the head coach because it's clear that he didn't bring enough value to them want to hold him. Also, James Winston, that's just that's a great thermometer. He well, just threw five touchdowns today. God, he's that won't last. He's going to throw five interceptions next week. Through five touchdowns and like 180. Yeah, it was it was not great uh, stats wise. It was just weird. But see, my my point is, so they got rid of of Lovey, and then they hired this guy Dirk Cutter, who was the offensive coordinator at the time, and then he was gone after three years at Tampa because he was terrible. And of course, he had Jameis Winston. So like, what are you gonna do? Um, so again, back to the whole point of this conversation. I don't think Lovey Smith was the real problem. I think Illinois has just been bad for a very long time, and it is very hard to get a good program going there. I mean, they had Ron, they went, like, listen to this murderer's row of terrible coaches. Ron Turner, Ron Zook, Tim Beckman, Bill Cubitt, who I think was just an interim, you know, so that's four very bad guys in a row before you get to Lovey Smith, who he did not do great at Illinois. I mean, that's... It's, yeah, what makes you think out of that line that they all of a sudden learned how to hire a good coach? Well, I mean, that's fair. I think Lovey, you know, if it wasn't in the state of Illinois, I'm not sure Lovey would have gotten the job. That doesn't speak well to him being a good coach. Look, he grew a great beard. This is a like weird him. hill for you to be on. I don't know why he would have died there. <laughs> I'm not trying to die. I'm just saying. People give him shit, and I think a lot of it well, is Well, if Lovey is your coach, you're definitely not advancing any further. You're going to stay planted, maybe go back. I get it. I get it. I don't want to talk about it. So, I mean, but look, what it comes down to is we don't think Illinois is very good, and it's going to be great when we get to play them uh, in the future, which I cannot remember what week of the season that is. Ah, that's in two weeks on the 25th. So, we're really be, looking – yeah. We're going to get that flavor off our tongue, Notre Dame beatdown. Hey, we're not there yet. All right, so moving on, looking at the rest of the conference pretty quickly. I mean, Michigan State walked over Youngstown State, Minnesota – actually barely survived Miami of Ohio, 31 to 26. Um, that's what happens when you lose your, your star running back for the season. It was a bit of a struggle for him. Um, they actually allowed oh, Miami of Ohio to score 17 straight on him in the second half. So Not ideal. No, so they, they might be a little more vulnerable than we expected uh, at the start of the year. Lo- like I said, losing your star running back will do that. Uh, and then Northwestern, Rutgers, Nebraska, Indiana, and Maryland all played really overmatched opponents and and walked away with wins so not a lot to learn from those games but you did mention you know our next opponent and i want to just talk about them for about a minute here while before we we head out notre dame walked away with a 32 29 victory in what was a game broadcast only on peacock so that's interesting and certainly a thing that happened um do you get peacock casey like as a concept no. No, no. <laughs> oh. Are you a subscriber to the Peacock streaming service? Definitely not. Yeah, see, I only get it because I am a Comcast customer, and as a Comcast customer, since they own it, I get it for free. So I could have watched if I wanted, and I actually had it on my phone for the last drive just to see what happened. So uh, for those that did not watch, Toledo took the lead with about a minute and a half left and then allowed uh, Notre Dame to score a touchdown in 26 seconds going 75 yards. So that was, that was great. Um, so, I mean, they walked out with a three point win. Uh, and this is after squeaking by Florida state in week one. So Purdue opens up as an eight point underdog, uh, against Notre Dame in week three. 
Oh my, go make some money. Look, you're going to be sad about Purdue losing, but when they lose by 30 and you're counting whatever you just bet and putting it in your pocket, you'll feel better. Man, you are just like Eight pouring points? the negativity. Yeah, uh, as of right now. Um, well, sorry, I'm looking at, it's at, at Notre Dame six hours ago. So they're saying Notre Dame is only five points better than And it appears that that's what they're saying. That's dang. Yeah, I won't lie. That did seem low to me. That's <laughs> but, crazy. To- but, uh, I mean, I don't think Notre Dame has really shown anything worth a damn so far this year. Neither have we. we <laughs> no, no. I'm not saying we've looked like world beaters, but I'm saying at least we've, you know, at least we won a game convincingly. Uh, Notre Dame had to win in overtime and then had to come from behind against Toledo. At what number would you feel comfortable betting? Uh, 15? That's not very close to 8, Ledman. I'm just, you asked the question. What and was I'm your number? 5? <laughs> I, I feel like it's got to be better than that. 20. At okay. Most. I mean, that's... And I'm not, man. If it's at 20, I'm not. Wow. Man, I really hope you have to come back and eat some crow. I do too. It's not fun. I'm just trying to be, people need to calm down. Yeah. You shouldn't be yeah. that excited. Yeah. I, I we mean, we talked, anything. We, we talked about this before we started recording that we, we really want to kind of put the brakes on any like raw enthusiasm people have after this Yukon game, because as we talked about in the, uh, in the podcast, both times last week, Yukon is a bad football team. And when they're you're not a bad a- football team, they are garbage. Oh, fair enough. They're a garbage football team. And when you beat a garbage football team, there's nothing, you don't learn a lot of lessons. You don't say, oh, wow, I guess we are very good or we are very bad in this area. You look at it and say, well, we did what we had to do. Now let's move on to to the next team. And for Purdue, that next team is Notre Dame, who um, I I did have the uh, new top 25 up and Notre Dame is sitting at number 12. They were previously number eight, so... Here's um, what I'm going to. They have fast enough defensive players that when they come unblocked, they're actually going to get... Yeah, see, that's a big worry. <laughs> that is a big worry. Um, but, you know, it's been a number of years since Purdue and Notre Dame have played. They were off the schedule because Notre Dame thinks they're better than everyone. Uh, so they got rid of all their traditional rivalries so that they could play their, quote, national schedule, unquote. Um, so I'd really like to stick it to these arrogant jackasses. Look, I'm I'm there with you in spirit. It's just spirit can only make you fly so far. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, I say this a lot in this podcast, but Casey, you're not wrong. Um, spirit is the airline. Uh, yes. And you, you don't often oh. fly them. They're very rickety. Um, so... I think that's going to wrap it up for us this, this, this evening. Um, we obviously, we're going to record another podcast midweek to kind of look at Notre Dame a little further, uh, take a look at what we expect from that game and also end up with our predictions as we always do. Uh, no recommendation this week unless Casey can pull one out of his hat here at the end. Yeah, I, I actually did. Um, oh, this, nice. This was a recommend, recommendation given to the cashier. Um, right. If you have animals, you can I do. Pet, I have a dog. You get the PetSmart app. And apparently there's a game on there and complete the game and coupon 25% or more off. And it redoes every month. There's 25% off your dogs. Every oh, month. wow. That's exciting. I, are we sponsored by PetSmart? I, I'd be sponsored by the 25% you're saving. I, I don't think that's the same, but I'll take it nonetheless. <laughs> I'll take it nonetheless. So there you go, pet folks. Download the PetSmart app. Get yourself some money. So, it's either that or I'm drinking Coors Banquet. Never at oh, that time. N- well, you and I differ on that, but that's okay. Uh, so we'll get into that maybe another time. All right. You are the anti-Ron Swanson. Yes, that is true. Uh, So we will talk to you later in the week, folks, for Casey and myself. 
Make sure to rate, review, hammer that subscribe button, like, comment, share, do all that fun stuff. Tell your friends, and we'll chat with you later. Boiler up. Barbecue.